Muslim Radio Weekly is sponsored by Green Vine Market in Plano, providing customers with a flavorful shopping experience in a vibrant atmosphere. Learn more at greenvinemarket.com. And Shawarma Press, authentic shawarma and Mediterranean food with new locations near you. Visit shawarmapress.com. Muslim Radio Weekly on Radio Azad. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another edition of Muslim Radio Weekly on Radio Azad. Alhamdulillah. All praise be to Allah for this chance to join with you again this Sunday morning at 11 a.m. on Radio Azad. We try to play for you clips from our programs that we produce on Muslim Radio Dallas as well as from our recorded clubhouse rooms, followed by sports talk in the second half of the show. So let's get started with a segment we have created to honor the memory of those who have passed away in our community and to offer our du'as. Time out for du'a. This week, an outstanding member of our community in Dallas passed away. His name, Nidal Hamad. Abu Sufyan. Abu Sufyan was known to be very kind and generous, a devout Muslim who supported many causes for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In fact, his business, Greenbine Market, has been one of our regular sponsors on Muslim Radio Dallas and this program, Muslim Radio Weekly. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Surely we belong to Allah and to Him we shall return. In honor of His memory, His beautiful spirit and strong faith, I want to play for you an interview I recorded with Him about six months ago. Take a listen. So today I'm going to be interviewing Brother Nidal Hamad. Assalamu alaikum, brother. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah. How are you? Alhamdulillah. Can you tell us, uh, for that entrepreneur who wants to start a Muslim business, can you tell us, you know, how Islam, how your faith, how it helped you keep going into success? Again, uh, our faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very important because, number one, you do your part. The risk, which is, again, what you're going to get in this dunya, in this life, is already written. But you have to do your part. It doesn't mean that you don't make an effort. The effort has to be there. So I think for the Muslim community and for us here as Muslims, especially in the West, we, we should always think that we, we should take the lead, take the lead in uh, providing the best for our customers, the best for our community. And I think we've done that in the store. And for a new business owner, I advise them to do the right research uh, regarding the store that you're going to take, regarding the product that you're going to put in your store, regarding the, the quality of food that you're going to present and the pricing. Everything should be in tune and should be in balance. And that's my advice for any new entrepreneur coming into this kind of business. Brother Nidal, Jazakallah Khairan, we thank you so much for this amazing, amazing advice uh, to the young entrepreneurs out there. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah. Alhamdulillah for that chance to hear his beautiful voice again. A dear friend of his was able to call into the station to say a few words about Brother Nidal and offer his du'as. He's the Imam who led the Janazah at Epic Masjid this week. Let's hear from Imam Muhammad Bajur. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How are you, Imam? Alhamdulillah, Habibi. How are you? Alhamdulillah. Such a sad week Very. for us. Very sad week. I, I, you know, I have this show, and I wanted to, you know, give you a chance to say a few words about your friend. Absolutely, Can you share with us, you know, a little something about his character and who he yeah. was? 
بسم الله الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله I moved uh, to Dallas from New York uh, 2000, July 2014 and uh, my dear beloved brother Nidal kept on uh, visiting me from New York until he made uh, the final move I think in the 2017 uh, I was very happy because we know each other all the way back from Queens, New York. And uh, since I know this man, if you ask me to describe him with uh, words from the Quran, he is Sabiqun Bil Khairat, a person that races, not just do good. There are differences between someone who does good and someone who races to do, to do good. And he was the person who does not hesitate, does not think twice for helping any noble cause. As a matter of fact, subhanAllah, the last cause was on Saturday, last Saturday, just like today. And uh, I put him down for a certain amount of money for the orphans in Lebanon. And when I went to see him uh, on Greenvine, in Greenvine on Sunday, I said, I put you for this much. He said, why? So I said, uh, is it too much? He said, no, double it. MashaAllah. So I said, Alhamdulillah, Jazakallah khair. So I started eating, and usually, anytime he gives me a pledge, you know, uh, week, 10 days, two weeks, when when the organization asks me, I, I ask him. So this time, SubhanAllah, as if he knew, as I'm eating my breakfast, he went to the office and came back with cash in an envelope, and he said, Here's the money, Sheikh. You never know. Wow. Wow. Wallahi. Subhanallah. I said to myself, you know, you know, you know, you, you don't take, you don't think, oh, this person's going to die because he did this. Yeah. But after the incident, you say, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. How? No. Yeah, wanted to, you know, make sure everything is done before he leaves. And this is the kind of man we're talking about. Yeah. The kind of man that died at 3.15 a.m. We announced at 6 and at two o'clock, there was eight hundred people. Yes. On a in a in a on a weekday, this is uh, Subhanallah. We assume, we assume always we are not allowed in our deen to say that someone is definitely going to Jannah or definitely going to the Hellfire. But we say that these are amazing signs yeah. of a good end, Inshallah. And Imam, I must say, he's only been in the Talis community for how long? <laughs> That's another thing. Three, four years. That's it. And he were able. Yeah, see, another thing, Mustaqim, subhanAllah, immediately one of the dear brothers started a group on WhatsApp and uh, called it Nidal Hamad Waterwell. The people love him so much that they want to dig a well, make it a sadaqah jariya, a constant charity mm-hmm. on behalf. Within two hours, the well was paid off. The solar <laughs> well in Africa, Nigeria. Allah I wish for such an end, what an amazing end. We're all going to die, so we all beg Allah to give us a good end. SubhanAllah. All the signs are amazing. When I went to the hospital at 4 a.m. and I saw his body and I saw that beautiful smile on his face, yeah, it was uh, it was very uh, very sad and at the same time it was very inspiring and very happy. Alhamdulillah. Yes. I, uh, I ask Allah Azza wa Jal to give him the highest place in Jannah. I ask Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to give patience to his family. Mm-hmm. And I ask Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to make his grave a garden of Jannah. Mm-hmm. And I ask Allah to forgive all his sins. And I ask Allah for everyone who's hearing us to make our last deeds, our best deeds, and our last words La ilaha illallah. Thank you okay. for uh, joining us and. On Muslim Radio Weekly and uh, offering those words, uh, beautiful words for uh, your dear friend, Brother Nidal Hamad. <laughs> you have a wonderful day. Salaamu Alaikum. Another dua for Brother Nidal and all the Muslims who have returned to Allah.
اللهم اغفر لهم وارحمهم وعافهم واعف عنهم واكرم نزلهم ووسع مدخلهم واغسلهم بالماء والثلج والبرد ونقهم من الذنوب والخطايا كما ينقى الثوب الأبيض من الدنس وجازهم بالحسنات إحسانا وبالسيئات عفوا وغفرانا حتى يكونوا في بطون الألحاد مطمئنين وعند قيام الأشهاد آمنين وإلى أعلى جناتك السابقين Oh Allah, forgive them, have mercy on them Keep them safe, pardon them, arrange for them honorable hospitality, expand their graves, wash them clean with water, snow and hail cleanse them from sins and wrongdoings, like we clean white cloth from dirt, give them good reward for their good acts and pardon and mercy for their sinful acts, so that they live in content in the interiors of graves, are safe when all witnesses stand up and are running towards the high levels of your paradise. Muslim Radio Weekly Shawarma Press With more than five years in business, Shawarma Press is the go-to place for authentic shawarma and Mediterranean food that looks great and tastes amazing. Shawarma Press Bring your family out today, February 20th, between 12 and 6 p.m. for their grand opening event in Arlington, inside Walmart, 4801 South Cooper Street. Shawarma Press Join the celebration with giveaways. Get free wraps, bowls, desserts, branded gift baskets, and download the app for a chance to win one of four $50 gift cards. Visit shawarmapress.com and Shwarma Press DFW Facebook page for more information. Muslim Radio Weekly. This week on Muslim Radio Clubhouse, Sister Nazi spoke with Brother Faizan Saeed the director of CARE DFW. Let's hear their discussion about Islamophobia in the classroom. All right, Salam alaikum and welcome everyone to Muslim Radio Clubhouse. And today we are talking about overcoming bullying, singled out Islamophobia in the classroom. Uh, so uh, with us tonight, inshallah, is our uh, guest, Brother Faizan Saeed, the Executive Director of CARE for Dallas and Fort Worth. CARE is one of the largest Muslim civil rights and advocacy organizations. In 2020, CARE surveyed 321 students ages 11 through 18 in the Dallas-Fort Worth area regarding challenges they face as Muslims in public schools. The goal was to produce surveys every two years to provide students, parents, teachers, and school systems with the data they need to address bullying for Muslim students. In the year 2022, the United Care Offices of Austin and Dallas-Fort Worth will conduct another survey of the American Muslim students to measure the impact of bullying on their students. So welcome, Brother Faison. We're very excited to have you tonight. Just want to let you know, everybody know that Replays is on. So um, we will be recording and people can listen to this later. And we will also be sharing, have, having this broadcast um, aired on um, Radio Zad, Muslim Radio Hour, um, on Sunday, inshallah. And also, this will be created into a podcast that you can share with others. So just welcome, and, and so glad you can join us, Brother Faison. Mustafa, thank you for inviting me tonight. 
Uh, so inshallah, we have a few questions for you about this survey. Um, so your 2020 survey was your first survey like this. So what were some of the major findings of the first survey? Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so when I first moved to Dallas from St. Louis, Missouri, and I became the director here in our community, one of the uh, realities I was learning about is that Texas specifically is unique because the curriculum that develops in this state is actually then shared with multiple other states across the country. Also, there's a really large uh, population of Muslims here in Texas, and there's more people moving here all the time from across the country. So I believe that it was so important for us to do a survey where we could actually have hard data on the impacts of bullying of American Muslim uh, students. Unfortunately, as a community, as you are more than aware, our community doesn't necessarily believe too much in data. If you ask how many Muslims are in Dallas-Fort Worth, you know, you'll get a variety of answers just because there isn't really good data out there. So we wanted to really do this first survey and, and, and get this done. Now, what's interesting about these survey results is that, subhanAllah, it just so happened, Qadrullah, that this survey was done right before COVID hit. So we were able to finish the survey and publish the report basically a few weeks before COVID, and we were able to get data from students uh, before COVID. So this is exciting because this year's survey that we're doing is actually going to be two years after lockdowns of students being in and out of school. So you're really interested to see how the results might have changed uh, and, and what we might see happening. So, you know, this is some insight into the survey overall. Right. So I, I'm, I remember some of the um, sort of results were that Muslim students face bullying a lot more than any other group of our minority group, right? That's what, right. What, so what in our survey where we um, surveyed students ages 11 through 18, we found that 48% of respondents experienced some type of bullying. That's one out of every two respondents. And this included verbally insulted, physically abused, or bullied online for being Muslim. Now, to put that number in perspective, that's nearly double. Again, that's nearly double the national statistic for students being bullied at school around the country. So in Dallas-Fort Worth, our students are experiencing nearly double the average of bullying while they're attending uh, public schools. And in fact, if you actually break those numbers down, we discovered that 25%, nearly one in four students, did not feel that they felt welcome or respected in their schools. And additionally, uh, nearly 41% of Muslim students did not respond that they feel comfortable engaging in class discussion about Islam and Muslims. I know for many parents that we spoke to, that really concerned them because, you know, part of uh, Muslim being in America is not only that we get a world-class education, but also that we can uh, get our students to be ambassadors of Islam, to, you know, be good role models in their schools. And we're discovering that almost 41% of students are not even comfortable speaking about their religion or the fact that they're Muslim, which, of course, is, is you know, really quite troubling. Yeah, actually, when you said that they the students don't feel comfortable with discussion, that really almost sent a chill down my back because as an educator, I know how important discussion is to learning. That's actually why I started doing things on Clubhouse was because it really brought discussion back to learning. And um, and joining with Muslim Radio as well, uh, it, because you know it gives those opportunities to bring out those discussions of stories and so important to learning. Um, it, that that really makes me think that wow, this this really impacts our students in more than just one way of in one perspective or one in one way. So very very interesting. Green Vine Market, your one-stop shop halal supermarket and cafe, serving up quality with integrity. Shop custom Davia halal cuts, grains, nuts, spices, specialty oils, fresh produce, as well as bakery goods. Green Vine Market has the everyday items you love, as well as hand-picked Mediterranean and Indo-Pak products to add some flavor to your routine. Enjoy their handcrafted tea and coffee from their coffee bar and order some delicious food from around the world at their cafe. Visit them at 1804K Avenue in Plano or order online 
via their app or greenvinemarket.com for delivery or curbside pickup. So you send all this information out and you're expecting to get emails back and set up meetings and COVID hits. Like, I guess your emails just get buried under all the COVID mess yeah. of emails. And- Unfortunately, wow. it just happened that if you remember, if you guys bring, you know, uh, try to go back to March of 2020, because uh, this survey was basically finished two weeks before, um, two, three weeks before uh, COVID hit. So it was just in the early stages. We were just reaching out and we were getting a lot of positive traction because for the first time there was actual data, not in the whole state, but specifically for Dallas-Fort Worth. And of course, a lot of students lived in Plano, in McKinney, in Irving, in uh, Fort Worth area, in DeSoto. So we had these real pockets in Richardson, right? So we had these real deep pockets of students that we were obviously able to get more students in those areas because Muslims tend to like cluster around Islamic centers and whatnot. So those ISDs specifically were very interested in, in um, these results and findings. And uh, we were trying to get these meetings set up. And then subhanAllah, just, just so happened a few weeks later, COVID hit. Um, schools basically shut down uh, for quite some time that year. And then when they opened up in the, in the fall of 2020, this was just not a main concern for school districts. They were, they were really just dealing with having to teach virtually and all the craziness that happened with COVID. And it just never got into the mainstream or into the front line that we were hoping. Wow. So of the people that did respond positively and were interested, what, what were you able to, I guess, derive from what they were interested, what aspect they were interested in or what, where their um, sort of ideas were going for um taking the direction of this survey and actually using the results to to sort of make a change was there were there any ideas in the last two years for doing something in the public schools yeah well so some of the the few conversations that we were able to have with school districts they found the results very important and telling because most school districts and isds have sort of a zero tolerance policy for bullying however what they kind of struggle with is how specifically does Islamophobia manifest within the classroom? So uh, a few examples is, you know, what's unique to our community is that we've discovered in the survey that 15% of Muslim um, young ladies, nearly one in seven reported having their hijabs tugged, pulled, or ripped, or basically ripped off uh, in school, right? Um, And so that was something unique uh, in these findings, because one in seven, that's really like, you know, quite a significant population of students. So part of the conversation we're having is how do we educate school districts about specifically, um, you know, basic Islamic beliefs, why Muslim students might wear something. Uh, Some students we discovered when we kind of interviewed them further that they were being bullied because, you know, they may not eat pepperoni or pork or they might fast in Ramadan. And other students found that to be silly, weird, or, or really called them out on it. And when they would call them out, the students may not have a response to it. So that's what led to them saying that they're not comfortable talking about Islam uh, in public schools. One of the most shocking discoveries we found is that nearly one in six students, so about 18%, one in six, they said that the discrimination they were experiencing was not from another student, but from a teacher or an administrator, right? Uh, And that was really telling to a lot of school districts because one six student, that's, again, a significant number. That means in major ISDs, there's at least a few teachers that have potentially bullied students, uh, but were never reported or told. So these were the type of conversations we were having, so they could really understand specifically the type of bullying that happens against Muslim students, um, the sort of the numbers behind it, and, and really trying to figure out ways to address it. I think one of the harder things within our community, especially the immigrant community, is that as immigrants, um, oftentimes parents tell their kids to lay low and to not really rock the boat in school. Now, I understand exactly where that comes from because, you know, I grew up like that as well. The challenge is that that also translates that when Muslim students are bullied, that they don't report it. I can't find the statistic right now on the survey. I'll try to find it as we talk. But there's a percentage of students that basically, even after they're bullying, they did not report it, right? I think it was like 22% of students 
were not actually report bullying. So for some of the schools, they're like, okay, well, how do we increase those numbers of students that can report bullying? And some, of, and there's just a few examples on the conversation that we had. Wow, that all of that sounds so familiar. I mean, in tenth grade, I got my hijab tugged, it pulled off. You know, it happened at least twice. Um, my kids, and you know, the, the sad thing is, like, I I always told myself, I, I won't let this happen to my kids. I, you know, the gen, it's got to stop this generation. But then sure enough, things like this happened to my kids. W one of the examples was that my kids were, um, you know, two, both of my kids, two different grades in the same school. And whenever they would walk in the hallways, uh, some you know, the kids would point their finger like a gun and say, uh, uh, bang, bang, Allahu Akbar to them. Like, Allah, like, bang, bang, like that. Mm -hmm. And um, and then I started to ask, there was about eight Muslim children in this school, and I started to ask all of those children, and out of eight Muslim children that I knew in this school, seven of them said that they had experienced this phenomenon in the school. So uh, I went to all the parents, and I tried to tell them, you know, you need to say something to the, to the principal and they all, please, please, sister, please. We don't, there will be retaliation. We don't want to, we just want to lay low. We don't want to say anything. They all refused. And then, um, I went to the principal and I said, look, I don't want this to turn into a witch hunt. This is not about a witch hunt. This is about an ed educating the teachers. This happened right in front of the teacher's eyes in a classroom and the teacher does not know what Allahu Akbar bang bang means. Uh, and then when I tried to tell my kids, you need to say something, they said, mom, we can't do anything about it. It's a meme. It's a meme mm -hmm. on the internet. And it's it's something that you can dub Allahu Akbar over any bl blowing up thing. And they everybody thinks it's funny. And I just wanted it to be an education from the principal to the teachers to say, this is a, the way the, and I, I like the, the fact that you're like giving us words to use, like that kids are getting their scarves tugged, that they are being made fun of for fasting, like specific descriptions, because um, that I think it just makes it see, feel so much more real. If you just say, oh, he's being bullied, it, that's not enough. We have to say, She's getting her scarf tug. He's using this w word camel jockey. He's he's saying, uh, why don't you eat pepperoni pizza? So, to He's telling everybody that he doesn't eat pepperoni. Uh, on So on and so on. You have to be very specific. But then, like you said, educate having the teachers be educated as to what is offensive, what is bullying, what makes the students feel ostracized and unwelcome in the school. So absolutely, all of that sounds so familiar, and it's just so good that we have something very professional, this report that we can, if I would have had this report five, six years ago when this was happening, I could take that report right up to the principal and say, this is what I'm talking about, and I didn't have that then. So Definitely. I really appreciate all of that. Very good. So if we want, um, if we want, if you need people to participate in this survey, how do they do that? Well, thank you so much for asking. So we are um, looking for students ages 11 to 18 to take the survey. Because of COVID and some schools are virtual and some schools are in person, this year's survey is going to be done both in person with printed surveys and it's available virtually as well. Anybody who wants to participate, you can just simply visit our website, CAIRTX, store for Texas, CAIRTX.org forward slash bullying and there it'll take you to a, a website it'll have all the information and you can actually click on there and you can sign up and take the survey as an individual and of course you have to be 11 through 18 right not just anybody can take it um that's so right 11 and 8 through 18 year olds to take it and that's right and also if anybody wants to download our 2020 survey Click on that link that's been pinned on the top of the page. The survey is available. It's free. You can download the PDF. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of really good information. I've only uh, – there, there's multiple findings. I've only been able to speak about a few. But it's definitely a very comprehensive survey, and I'd really encourage everybody to download it, take a look at it, and please, please share it as widely as you like. So um, the – 
the only thing I guess we have left to do is, oh, I just wanted to ask for the KM, did you have anything to share? That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, just uh, briefly um, wanted to say Jazakallah Khairan, and Brother Faison for all of your great work for the community and uh, this project. I think that it's very important, um, like uh, Nazi was saying about the stories, uh, especially for the kids hearing other stories um, you know, uh, that ha knowing that they're not alone in this, that it's happened to other, other kids and, 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 and especially hearing how they dealt with it and, and, you know, to, you know, how they responded to certain things. So, uh, so I think it's, it's, it's a good thing that you're doing the work workshops and we, uh, we'll talk later inshallah about how, we can work together uh, with you from our work and, and production uh, of radio plays to where we can work with you and uh, some of the kids from the, from the schools to create, uh, you know, skits and uh, scenarios so that we could model the, you know, the responses and the, and the dialogue and how to respond to these things. That's, which would be very helpful for them and if they experience these in, in life. All right. Well, thanks so much, everyone, for joining. This has been very enlightening, Brother Faison, all the efforts of care. Thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, always a pleasure. And I'll definitely, in a few months, we'll have the next survey and the results published. I'm really excited to share that with the world. All right. Jazakallah. Salam alaikum, everyone. With more than five years in business, Shawarma Press is the go-to place for authentic shawarma and Mediterranean food that looks great and tastes amazing. Bring your family out today, February 20th, between 12 and 6 p.m. for their grand opening event in Arlington, inside Walmart, 4801 South Cooper Street. Join the celebration with giveaways. Get free wraps, bowls, desserts, branded gift baskets, and download the app for a chance to win one of four $50 gift cards. Visit shawarmapress.com and Shawarma Press DFW Facebook page for more information. Conversation and updates from the sports world. Sports Talk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to Sports Talk. I am your host, Hamza Saraswat, and we are going to be covering the Super Bowl and the All-Star Weekend today. So let's hop right into it with a Super Bowl recap. The Cincinnati Bengals versus the Los Angeles Rams. It was a pretty decent game. Uh, it, it wasn't anything special. Uh, let, let's say like the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Patriots a few years ago. But it was a pretty good game. Uh, the best play of the game was that 75-yard touchdown. The first play of the second half, Joe Burrow to T. Higgins. Obviously, as we all saw in the replay, T. Higgins did rake across Jalen Ramsey's face mask. And um, it, it was kind of a iffy no call. Uh, it did kind of, uh, kind of quote unquote, balance out towards the end of the game because the Rams had a lot of calls in their last drive, which would end up being their game-winning drive. They had a lot of calls go their way, especially that really, and again, a really iffy call on the goal line uh, with uh, against the. I think it was the holding against Logan Wilson, right? But really what I want to get to is how many players on the Rams, and I talked about this last week, how many players on the Rams really deserved this ring, right? Let's start with their quarterback, Matthew Stafford. He was in Detroit for 11 years, drafted number one overall. Um, this past offseason, he was traded to the Los Angeles Rams uh, for, for Jared Goff. So, you know, basically the two franchises traded quarterbacks, right? Traded big contracts. Um, the Lions got some picks as well. It, it's well known, well documented that the Rams really don't have many picks or many, you know, high picks, um, in, in the upcoming, like in the, you know, next few upcoming drafts. Right. But, you know, Matthew Stafford had never won a playoff game. He'd come pretty close, but there were a lot of question marks, a lot of question marks on if he could perform in big games, uh, when he was under the spotlight. Because the whole narrative around him was that he had so much potential and, you know, you, 
you know, as usual, Detroit was wasting it, right? They wasted Calvin Johnson, they wasted Barry Sanders, and, you know, Stafford winning this Super Bowl proves that Detroit wasted 11 years of his career, right? So um, there's times in the season where he, you know, kind of reverted back to not, I wouldn't say Detroit Stafford because he never really played bad in Detroit, but he would have some bad games, right? Uh, Just like wild pick sixes that really didn't make sense. Um, Just bad decision making. Uh, I noticed I watched a lot of Ram games throughout the season and I noticed he tends to underthrow the deep ball a lot. Um, So he did get picked quite a few times when he tried to throw deep. Um, But, you know, he really proved in this playoff run, especially with that game against the Bucks, with that throw to uh, Cooper Cup um, in the last minute. Uh, to set up the game-winning field goal, as well as the NFC Championship game. And then the Super Bowl, he he did make that throw. It, regardless of the calls, regardless of the refs, he did make that last throw to Cooper Cup, right? Now, moving on to the second player, Cooper Cup. He deserves a ring. He worked so hard. If, if you look at his story, he worked so hard. Um, and he w- he had the triple crown. He led the uh, the, the league in receiving yards receiving touchdowns and receptions, right? And um, he also got the Super Bowl MVP, 92 yards and two touchdowns. Odell Beckham Jr., as we all know, I've said it a lot, (laughs) pretty much in every episode, I am a Giants fan, right? Odell deserves this ring. This was his first playoff run since the Giants' last playoff run, I believe in 2015. He had a terrible outing in that game against the Green Bay Packers. He dropped two touchdown passes, a lot of important first first downs. Um, it's just it just plays that would have helped us get closer to winning the game. And you know, if you look at the final score of that game, it was a blowout. But honestly, if you go back to the third quarter, it really was literally it's not even a one score game. It was a one point game, right? It, it was a lot closer than even I remembered. I really had to go back. And, and, and kind of check it right but um he did tear his acl uh early on in the game he had the game's first touchdown he had 54 yards uh it was starting to feel like one of those signature odell type of games a, a game that really he hasn't had since he left the giants right you know he never really had any crazy performances with baker mayfield or you know um uh, really with the Rams up until, you know, the Super Bowl, it was starting to feel like, you know, that, that, that game he had against the Ravens where he had two touchdowns, like 225 yards, you know, something along that stat line. Um, we hadn't seen Odell really show out and it was starting to feel like one of those games. Aaron Donald, another one, there is rumors that he is going to retire uh, because, you know, he's won the Super Bowl. He's kind of felt, you know, that he's done it all. He's one of the greatest, if not the greatest defensive player ever, probably only rivaling, uh, the only player to rival him would be Lawrence Taylor, right? Um, uh, I don't want to see him retire. He's only played eight seasons. I, I love seeing, you know, players that are in their peak, players that are historical, that are generational talents. Uh, I love seeing them play and it. it would be a shame if he, he retired. I, I understand it. You know, you, you know, you know, you kind of want to, um, you know, you have your money, uh, you, you you made your legacy, you have your Super, Super Bowl win, you go out on a Super Bowl win, but with the way he's celebrating in the parade, you know, going to the Laker game later that night, which we will get into later in the show, we're going to talk about the All-Star weekend and, you know, kind of just a quick recap of the NBA season, we will get to that, but it kind of looks like he's enjoying winning, right? He's enjoying uh, winning the big game. You don't really see this side of Aaron Donald a lot so uh, it'd be interesting to see what he does in the offseason his decision and if you know winning feels good and it makes you want to run it back right and I think the Rams can run it back that is also a big question for the Bengals obviously the most glaring problem for the Cincinnati Bengals is that they have to address their offensive line right their receivers are fine their defense is really young and it's really not really young, but it's young and it's really good, right? They have some solid veterans on there. Uh, I'm not going to hate, uh, but Eli Apple did get cooked by Cooper Cup and he would have got cooked by Odell because he did tell 
his defensive coordinator that he wanted to shadow Odell the whole game because, you know, they played together in New York and just, no, that's not, Odell would have cooked him, right? We're just going to get that out there, right? Cooper Cup, one of the, one of the best, if not, I don't know if he's one of the best route runners in the league, right? But uh, going, moving back to the Bengals, um, yeah, the, the Bengals, they need to address the offensive line. Their defense is pretty good. They have amazing receivers. The question is, are they going to get this opportunity again with how competitive the AFC is going to be for the next 5, 7, 10 years, right? You have Josh Allen and the Bills. You have Patrick Mahomes, right? Then you have Justin Herbert, right? Then you could keep just going down the list, and, and there's going to be even more talent coming in, right? Joe Burrow, is he going to be kind of that Philip Rivers type player, you know, where you know, he he's that one in his era where he doesn't win a Super Bowl, right? Or is he going to be, you know, one of the best, right? It, it, it's going to I don't know if he gets this opportunity again. Cincinnati isn't necessarily known for their winning ways. Um, th- that was their first AFC championship game in 33 years. It was their first playoff win in 31 years, right? Um, they're not necessarily known for their winning ways. But a player like Joe Burrow, there's a reason you draft him number one overall. It and and it's to change your franchise, right? And that's what he has done so far. And hopefully, and I think, I think that's what he is going to continue to do. Just keep him and Jamar Chase together. Keep him, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, C.J. Uzama, Joe Mixon is a great running back. He finally got kind of got over that hump, you know, early on in, in his career. He did have a bit of a fumbling issue as well. You know, he was always banged up, Joe Mixon, right? And he finally, you know, got a full season and he got to show what he's really capable of doing. Um, yeah, so that is my Super Bowl recap. On to the NBA. We're just going to get into the standings. I really want to, you know, talk about where, you know, the top teams are or the top teams going into the season where they are. Uh, at this point in the 2021-2022 NBA season, right? So, you know, uh, for me, kind of by the all-star break, you can kind of tell where a team is going to go. Obviously, there's going to be surprises. There's going to be players that come out and and play amazing after the all-star break, but you kind of know what you have in each team, right? And if we go over to the standings, um, and look at the, let's start with the Eastern Conference, right? Right now, the Heat are the number one seed in the Eastern Conference with a record of 38 and 21. Then we have the Bulls, the Sixers, the Cavs, the Bucks, the Celtics, who are very interesting, the Raptors, the Nets, the Hornets, and the Hawks. That That's the, uh, I got up, went up to the 10th seed, right? The top 10 teams. There's really no one in the East outside of, the 10 seed that really has a chance. I mean, the Wizards are 11, but Bradley Beal is out for the season. And, you know, they really had a hot start and they just cooled off. They haven't been very good for much of the season. The Knicks are at 12. Just no, we're not going to waste time talking about them. Um, <clears throat> the Pacers, no. Pistons, Magic, no, right? The Heat, uh, I don't know. I don't know if they're a real contender. They're a, they are a very good team, right? Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson. You know, they have a squad. Um, do I see them winning the championship? I could see them making the conference finals. I can see them even making the finals, right? And that would be something that that, that, that would be ridiculous. Um, they're a very good team, but I don't see them winning the finals, right? Uh, talking about the Bulls, I can see the Bulls winning the finals with the way DeRozan is playing, with the way Levine is playing. Um, they have a squad. They have good chemistry. I don't know about winning the finals, but they could definitely make a run, and they're definitely a dangerous team. The Sixers, they're real bona fide contenders. They can win the finals, right? Joel Embiid playing like an MVP. In my opinion, he is the MVP. Jokic is is just just right under him, right? Um, with James Harden, um, and we're going to talk about who really won that trade in a bit. But um, yeah, the 76ers. The Cavs are the four seed, uh, surprisingly ahead of the Bucks, 
uh, only by a game or so. Um, they uh, are a very young team. Darius Garland, uh, front runner in my opinion for Rookie of the Year, Evan Mobley. Um, and yeah, it's a uh, they have a good squad. They're young. I don't see them. It, it, this is not like you know, kind of uh, a knock against them. I don't really see them uh, going too far in the playoffs only because it's going to be their first year for a lot of them. And, uh, they, you know, they're, they're hot. They're a good team. Uh, they play well. They score in bunches. Uh, they have, you know, big men, uh, you know, good defensive presence in Jared Allen, um, who's kind of made his name as a shot blocker in the league, right? The Bucks already a, t- a title contender easily. Giannis, probably the best player in basketball. Um they're they're the defending champs you know there's not much more that could be said about them right then moving on to the celtics they've won nine of their last 10 they've really gotten it together jason tatum jalen brown i mean come on you can't go wrong with them all they had to do was come together as a team play some real defense and show everyone that who the like the team that they really are they're they're an amazing like talented team right all they had to do was put it together, right? The Raptors are a surprise. They do have a good squad. Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, uh, OG Ananobi. They have a great coach in Nick Nurse. Um, uh, I don't see them making, you know, kind of waves in the playoffs. But uh, I could see them, you know, maybe taking a first series, uh, a first round series to game seven. Maybe giving one of the top teams a scare, right? Uh, talking about the Brooklyn Nets, Ben Simmons is going to come back. Kyrie, hopefully they'll figure this vaccination thing out. Kevin Durant will come back, and uh, they're going to be a bona fide title contender. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they actually won the finals, right? Moving on to the Western Conference. The Suns, best team in the league by far. They're on a seven-game win streak. Devin Booker, CP, right? They're playing the best basketball in the league. Uh, and then moving on to the Warriors, they're pretty much second only to the Suns, right? Clay Thompson returning, I knew he wasn't going to lose a step. You don't lose that shooting form, right? It, it, all he had to do was get back into game shape, and that's exactly what he did, right? The Grizzlies at the number three seed, they're a good team. I could see them definitely winning a playoff series, definitely uh, kind of maybe making the uh, conference finals. I don't see them winning the playoffs. John Morant still needs more experience uh, in the playoffs. They're still a very young team, right? So I'm excited to see what they're going to do in this year's playoffs. The Jazz, I'm going to be honest, I'm not that big of a fan, but they are a good team. Donovan Mitchell, he's a bona fide pure scorer, um, and they, they can they can make waves, right? The Dallas Mavericks, Luka Doncic, um, yeah, the, the, he... You know, th- there's not much more that can be said about him. Hopefully, Spencer Dinwiddie can kind of provide, um, you know, the filling the hole that that Porzingis the the Porzingis trade left, and um, yeah, uh, yeah. I- I'm not going to talk about oh 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 the Nuggets. You got to talk about Jokic and the uh, Denver Nuggets. Uh, then we got the Timberwolves at seven, the Clippers at eight, the Lakers at nine. Honestly, I'm not going to talk too much about the Lakers. We all know LeBron is probably the GOAT at this point for what he's done um, in his 18th, 19th season, um, averaging 29 points. But there's really not much more that can be said about them. They just have to figure out how to play together. And Anthony Davis has to stay healthy, which doesn't seem like it's going to happen. But um, honestly, I'd be excited to see a Nets-Suns finals, a Nets-Warriors finals. The storyline for that would be amazing. Um, I really want to see a 76ers versus the Nets conference championship. That would be amazing. James Harden versus the old team. And, you know, even that matchup with James Harden on the Nets, that would be exciting to watch, right? All right. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. And I hope you guys enjoyed the All-Star Weekend. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Conversation and updates from the sports world. Sports talk. Jazakumullah khairan to our sponsors. Check out their websites, greenvinemarket.com and shawarmapress.com. And to our producers and contributors.
If you would like to support Muslim Radio Weekly or our 24-7 broadcast, Muslim Radio Dallas, visit MuslimRadioDallas.com for your tax-deductible donation. This was a very heartfelt show we had to do today. Anytime there's a death in the community, it makes you stop and think, how much time do we really have? This is KM Dean with Muslim Radio Weekly. Until next week, Assalamu alaikum. Time is unknown. No one knows their time. No matter how rich you are, no matter who you are, we do not know our time. So we have to function as if we have little time remaining. Function as if today is your last day. These blessings, good health, and free time? How do they trick us? How do we become deceived by them this good? It's because we always think we have more of it. So you have to function just the opposite, as if you have little or no time remaining. Time is irretrievable. Once it is gone, you cannot return it. You cannot get it back. Act immediately. A sense of urgency. Where will you be on that day he comes for you? When the angel says your time has come, will you be somewhere performing a righteous deed? Or will you be in a place of shame Don't hesitate To make a plan And then work the plan Now is the time It's your wake up call It's not too late To start learning and practicing Al-Islam Don't put it off to tomorrow Cause tomorrow may never come